Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. You can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any popular podcasting platforms. This week, Pastor Russ brings us a sermon titled, Choosing Christmas, based on the scripture from Luke 2, 8 through 14. We're going to sing one more song, but before we do, I want to just give a quick introduction. We don't sing it very often, although it's fairly popular. Uh, It is popular because it was made popular by people like Bing Crosby and people like that and Burl Ives and some older names. Um, It's called I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. It was actually based on a poem by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, and it uses bells. And I thought, you know, we use bells a lot. If you were here on Christmas Eve, we used a lot of bells and there was a lot of ringing. Bells and Christmas kind of go together, don't they? And it struck me that we use bells for all kinds of different reasons. We use bells for jingling. We use bells, you have a doorbell, even if it's an electronic one these days. Uh, Our phones used to have bells to get our attention. Our alarm clocks at least used to have some kind of a little bell on the top. If you go to school, there's often a bell that says your period has stopped, your next period's getting ready to go. If you grew up in a, uh, in, a, where, in a town like I did, our church had a church bell, and the bell said, hey, it's time to come to church. It would ring a half hour before, an hour before service, uh, a throwback to a whole different era of this is how people told time. Bells marked time. Sometimes they would be joyous bells. At the end of a war, all the bells all over a country ring. Sometimes they're solemn. When we come to a remembrance, like a 9-11, and we ring bells for all the people who have passed, it is a solemn way. And each time it calls us to something. It calls us to pay attention. This song does too. This is a, uh, a, a poem that was written... In, in that great paradox of Christmas, the bells are ringing to remind people of something wonderful, peace on earth, goodwill to all. And yet it's ringing in the middle of a civil war. And Longfellow, when he was writing this, um, was trying to hold all that together. We're going to sing a couple verses, and then I'm going to pause and talk about more of that tension. But let's Let's kind of transport ourselves back. It's, it's Christmas Day. We're hearing bells. And let's sing this one together. And so far, so good. This is a beautiful poem, 
And in most of the hymnals that still carry this, uh, these two verses are always there. In almost no hymnal, however, or rendition of this, is the other words that were stuck in the middle of this, 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 this poem. Because Henry Wadsworth Longfellow was, was well aware this was not just a day of bells and sweet and light. This was a day of great tension and there was great paradox and, and that Christmas was lived in that. 1863, it's in the middle of the Civil War. Great battles like Vicksburg, Gettysburg, Antietam and others were being fought that year. And it was in the throes of one of the most terrible times. Uh, there were a lot of people not coming home for Christmas, if ever. The one who did come home for Christmas was his son, his oldest Charles, who had, behind his father's back, enlisted. Um, and then on December 1st of 1863, was critically wounded, and it was touch and go whether he would even survive. He's now home nursing, and it would be a long, long recovery. Who else wasn't home in the Longfellow household was um, Longfellow's wife, who had died tragically uh, in a house fire where her dress had caught fire and she burned to death. This was 18, that was two years before that. So I want you just to imagine Longfellow as he's sitting in his, in his study and he's sitting in his house and he's nursing his oldest son who has been brutalized by war as so many households could attest and just in the grief and the, and the emptiness and yet he's writing this and then and then he he gets to the heart of where this turns a corner uh, because the, the next verse he says then from each blank accursed mouth a cannon thundered in the south and with the sound the carols drowned of peace on earth goodwill to men and then it is as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Can you hear just the tension of we hear the bells we're celebrating and yet there seems to be nothing to celebrate. There seems to be nothing that calls us to joy. In fact, this is one of those times where the bells would seem to mock us. They would seem to be uh, laughing at us and taunting us. And yet they're trying to get our attention. They're trying to get our attention. Because Longfellow, like every person who's ever lived in the real world at Christmas time, is not only struck by the joy that is promised, but the, the pain and the sorrow that is a reality, if not immediately in our household the house next door and next door. We are all intimately familiar. And we can cover our ears so we don't hear that part, but that's not what Longfellow did. And that's not what we are called to do. What we are called to do is to, to do both, to, to acknowledge this is the world that we live in and it is, is a, a whole continent has been torn apart in grief and sorrow that would, sound, that would drown out the bells and yet... The bells are there, and they're reminding me of something else. Christmas is a choice. It's a choice of which reality will we follow. We acknowledge both what will set our agenda. Will, will we only hear, only hear the sorrow and the suffering, and thereby become cynical? Or will, 
acknowledging that, underneath that, will we still hear bells? Will we still hear something to get our attention? Something to mark time? Something to call us to a deeper truth? And that truth is that God has come and that God is with us and God always will be. And in that, it's calling us to a different reality. Tootie's going to play for us here in a moment and I'm going to invite you to take that time of just quiet to think about the worlds and all the voices that are part of your life today. The parts that are breaking and, and are crushing and, and yet this other, this bell that keeps coming through the ages. Listen, listen, listen. God is up to something. Listen to this. Set your course. Mark your life by this because Christmas is a choice and part of that choice is which reality in which will we live? What's that? What are those bells calling you to do today as we listen to Tootie? I promised last week that I would address the most asked question year in and year out that I get every Advent. You'll be thinking, well, is it about the candles? Why one of them is pink? And once in a while. But that's not it. Why there's four and all. I wish. No, that's not it. Is it why in the mu music as we lead into heaven, everything's in a minor key? Sometimes people say, why is it always set be so sad? Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, such a sad song. Or on Christmas Eve, how come it's so silly and joyous? I mean, no, don't get that as much either. Here's, here's the one question. Here's the number one question. Number two is far behind. And it has to do with one of our banners. It has to do with that banner right there. And not just that banner, it has to do with down in the lower left-hand corner, right there. I have had more people come and go, what's up with that? What, what, what is that? Why is that in the sanctuary? It's kind of scary. Who is this character that's kind of peeking up over a rock? And it reminds me of, you know, we've all seen in, in our textbooks and every once in a while uh, they do this thing of perception, right? And, and you look at a picture and is it either a cup or is it two faces looking at each other, right? It's all how you see it. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Or it's that, that one picture of is this, is this a, a, an elderly woman or is it a young woman? And they're both there depending on what you see. I think this is sort of that because once you see this, it changes. Because what this is is a sheep. And you go, a sheep? Yeah. See, th this is sheep. That, 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 that's all kind of wool down there. And it's as if from behind and the sheep is looking up like the shepherd. And everyone there is just kind of looking up. Why would we have a scary person in the sanctuary? <laughs> I know, I know some churches did. I mean, you know, they're in the... You know, they had gargoyles, you know, so is this our version of a gargoyle? And it, it doesn't, why would you do that? And then this year, I took another look. Once again, somebody came up and said, what, what, what is that? And I said, well, it's a sheep. And I, and I go, I don't see it. I, well, it's like, why would you see anything? And then I thought, you know what? I could see it. I see what they're talking about. I, I can see it, and if I'm honest, it is kind of creepy. <laughs> More than that, I got to thinking it's not unlike... 
I mean, I mean, look at those two things. They're not that far apart. I get that. And then I started to think, why wouldn't you have that in a sanctuary? Gollum, for those who haven't seen Lord of the Rings, both of you who haven't seen it, I don't know how you could get away with it. Gollum is a former hobbit, again, Lord of the Rings, um, who chose to be captivated, and, and that word very deliberately chosen, captivated by the power of a ring. What he was really captivated by was himself. And what would give him power and what would give him standing and what would give him influence, what would enhance. And he continues to make choices for this ring, this thing that gives him that power. But in so doing, he loses himself. And he becomes less and less like his former self. And by the time we catch up to this character, he is a cautionary story. He's a story of greed, he's a story of fear, he's a story of self. When the Bible talks about sin and becoming slaves to sin, I, I, I don't think Tolkien could have picked a better metaphor for that than Gollum. We make choices, and then our choices make us. If you want to know if, who you are and how you got here, there are a lot of choices that got made. There's a lot of things outside our control, but the ones that were, we make choices, and those choices make us. We decide to buy a house. That house begins to shape who we are, what we can and can't do, what we have room for and what we don't, and how we're going to live and relate to one another. That's just a small example. Gollum is the cautionary story of we get to make choices, and then those choices begin to make us. And little by little, he completely loses the ability to choose, even when he wants to. More than one person has, has made the observation that Gollum is really the alter ego of Frodo. Frodo, who also has choices. Frodo, who has to argue with Gollum but finds out Gollum is not just a character outside, that there is an inner Gollum in him as well. Frodo, who chooses to be brave and chooses to be compassionate and chooses to be kind, even to Gollum. He chooses to do that, and he becomes even more of himself. There are some who would say, there would some who would say that Gollum represents the true self, that at the core we are selfish, we are afraid, we are greedy, we are grasping. And then some who would say, no, the true self of who we are is more of a Frodo, of one who lives large and generous and compassionate and giving. And I think, I think they are both true, depending on the choices that we make. There is in Gollum a character that is wondering if there isn't something more. If maybe what he is doing as he is watching the Frodo of the world, as he is watching and wondering if there isn't something more, I don't think I'm giving any spoiler alerts here when I say he doesn't choose well. And it's finally his undoing. Christmas is a time where we are confronted with the best and the worst of humanity. We are confronted with the God who comes in, who is the light that shines in the darkness, 
And then we are invited to take that light upon ourselves. We are reminded that this light, as it begins in the book of John, is the word, the essence, the best expression of God. And rightly so, rightly so, when we, we talk about Jesus, we talk about this is what God looks like. This is what the divine looks like, walking amongst us. What we sometimes forget to say, and it's just as important, is this is also what humanity looks like. This is what it looks like to be a human being that, that is absolutely infused with God, immersed in divinity. This is what it means to be truly human. And the choice of Christmas, when we choose Christmas, is to choose to be fully human, to make the choices based on what Christ has come to show us, to make the choices that we might become larger, more generous, more loving, more forgiving, more compassionate. Will we always make the right choice? Of course not. But then we are always called every Christmas and, and hopefully beyond that and, and more often to remind ourselves that there really is a choice and it's a choice every day. What will we choose to do? How will we choose? How will those choices make us and shape our world? So there's been a theme going on, a theme about choosing and Christmas. And what does it mean to choose Christmas? On the one hand, it means to choose to listen and which bells will call us and to what are they calling us and where will we go? It is a choice of what part of us what we respond to. And, you know, by the way, next year, feel perfectly free to be very smug with people when they go, what is that? <laughs> and you can just say, it depends. It is either a sheep or it's Gollum. <laughs> and then you can say, what do you see in it? Because <laughs> the choice is, in some ways, will, will we be the Gollum in sheep's clothing, or will we be that which is looking up and being transformed by what's going on around us? The third and final choice, though, has to do with a story that's in uh, the book of Matthew. It's one of the lesser told stories because, let's face it, it's a terrible story. And I'm not going to get into the gruesome part of it, but it's the prelude to the gruesome part. It has to do with wise men coming from the east and the choice that they had to make, uh, the choice that got them on the road in the first place, and then the choice they had to make when it was revealed what was going on. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in the territory of Judea during the rule of King Herod, magi, or wise men, uh, came from the east to Jerusalem. And they asked, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We've seen his star in the east, and we've come to honor him. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled. <laughs> he was the king after all, so. Um, he, he was troubled, and everyone in Jerusalem was troubled with him. He gathered all the chief priests and legal experts and asked them where the Christ was to be born. And they said, well, in Bethlehem of Judea. For this is what the prophet wrote. You, Bethlehem, you in the land of Judah, by no means are you the least among the rulers of Judah, because from you will come one who governs and who will be shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the Magi and found out from them the time when the star had first appeared. 
He sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search carefully for this child and when you found him, report to me so that I too may go and honor him. When they heard the king, they went and looked. The star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. And they entered the house and saw the child with Mary, his mother. Falling on their knees, they honored him. And then they opened their treasure chests and presented him the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Because they were warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they went back to their own country by another route. There is a theme here that carries on everywhere you go. Everyone who encounters God in the Old and the New Testament changes. Sometimes the change is dramatic. People change their names. Sometimes they change their entire destinies. Sometimes it's a changing of an attitude. And in this case, it's the changing of a path. They're warned in a dream, Herod does not have the best intent here. Herod shouldn't hear from you. Don't go back. And so they choose a different path home. That's a metaphor that's used often about this time of year. And rightly so, because Christmas invites a change. If nothing else, a change of path. We don't get to go home the same way we entered Christmas. If we haven't been changed by Christmas, either in our attitude, our perspective, or our path, Christmas isn't finished with us yet. It hasn't done the work that Christmas is supposed to do. It's supposed to change something. Now, you and I have been hearing about nothing but change the last two years, right? Holy cow! the changes that are coming on in one right after the other after the other. And I, I'm, no, I'm not the only one who keeps wondering, when will this change back? Even, even as I know and I know you know, it will never change back. It can't. It can't change back to what it was in 2019. It won't. In part, it can't because we're different people. There's that wonderful line in Alice in Wonderland where Alice just says, listen, um, I'm not, it's, no going, it's no use going back to yesterday. I'm not the same person as I was then. None of us are the same people we were two years ago or a year ago. And so we are being invited to make a change not based on what used to be, but what might be. And we are being invited to choose a different path. We know that 2022, of all the predictions that are ever going to be made about the coming year, and this is that time of year when we get lots of them, I think the most honest you could say and still be accurate is it's going to be nothing like the year we just had before us or before that or before that. It's not going to be the same as 1863 with Longfellow and the world there. But a different path, a different path is going, to be in, is going to be set before us. It's not the same as any other era in history, except this. There's a choice of a different path. Sometimes we think the whole point of Christmas is just to declare and proclaim that Christ is Lord. 
That's certainly part of it. But if it stops there, we have really missed what Christmas is about. It is about inviting us to now walk a different path in light of that proclamation. You know that I have been saying over this last year, and actually for more than that, but particularly this last year, that we want to try and keep things very simple. It's easy to get overwhelmed. And so I've been saying, here's four things to pay attention to. Four things to pay attention to. Finding places to gather with people that nurture your soul, that you are committed to each other. Prayer, find a practice of prayer that works for you. Different practices work for different people. Learn, what is it you need to learn? And not what somebody tells you you need to learn, but what is it that's in your soul that needs to learn? And serve. Where do you get to use the God-given gifts that make you you? To make a difference in the world in which God has placed us. Four things. Those are still going to be the same four questions moving into 2022. Because while there are so many things that we can't change around us, the one thing we can change is the choices within. It's the inward path. We can change who it is that's going to show up each day as we pay attention to those, the ways that we gather, the ways that we pray, what we learn and how we serve. That's what we get to choose. And as some wise person says, what you, what you get to choose, you get to change. This year, as you go forward, I'm going to invite you to once again examine the path and to choose to go into 22 differently than what got you here. It's not because what got you here was bad. It's just not going to be sufficient for what is still ahead. Everybody always thinks that the real work of Christmas is all the work we do ahead of time to get ready for Christmas. Are we going to get gifts? What kind of gifts? How are we going to get the gifts? Lights? Are we going to put lights on? What kind of lights? What kind of tree? What kind of... A lot of work. But the real work of Christmas, according to the Magi, and according to everybody else in the story from here on out, the real work is what you do afterwards. It's the paths that we, we get to choose. And in choosing, we get to change. Choosing Christmas means choosing a different path as we go from here. Would you join me in prayer? We are called to change, O oh God. And yet we are not changed by ourselves. It is because we hear your voice. It is because we encounter you. It is the experience. It is the nudge that somehow lets us know that something is afoot. Life has our name on it in a different way. Help us to hear. Help us to see. Help us to recognize your voice, your presence. And in recognizing, we respond in a way that we choose a different path, a new path, but the same path that is always, always following you through your son, Jesus, in whose name we come, in whose name we worship, and in whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. We've come to worship on this the day after Christmas. It is a joy to get to do this together. Truly, it's a joy to get to do this together. It is a joy to remind ourselves of what we have been leaning into for the last four weeks plus. 
It is a joy to begin to imagine what it is that might be in front of us. Reminded that those words that we just heard were written in the depths of dark when the choice could have been to give up and become cynical and just get on with life as best we could. And yet in that same world, maybe not unlike the world that we live in right now, to choose to listen, to be drawn, to find a different path. As you do, that path for all of us, no matter where it goes, we know it will be the guardrails, we know what the, the parameters it will be. It will be within these two. Go and love God with everything you've got. Heart, soul, mind, and strength, go. Go and love your neighbor as yourselves. Anything we do within those two guardrails, we're going to be in good shape. As we go into this week, as we go into the new year, truly may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. And in believing, may you abound with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit now and forever. And all God's people said. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you have enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. Go in peace.